Welcome everybody, we the Diversified Gentlemen, and today is our privilege to welcome our guest, Chief Master Sergeant uh, from the Air Force, retired, D. Phillips. Welcome so hey, thank you, for, yeah, thank you for uh, joining us today. We appreciate it. I uh, appreciate the invite. Yep, for sure. All right, so uh, like Reese said, my name is uh, Deron Phillips. I did 28 years in the military. Uh, United States Air Force started off with security forces and then retrained into uh, budget. And then they comprised it all into finance. So uh, one of the main reasons why I still got that hua in me is I love that camaraderie. So this whole thing about being uh, Air Force and retired, I still love it. It's all about the people, all about the people in there. So. Okay, cool. So one of the first thing we, we ask our guests is uh, what makes them a diversified gentleman? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I would probably say, at least for me, um, my family, first of all, got different people in the family that just uh, point you in different directions, give you different advice, shows you different things in life. And then second, when I'm playing football, you meet different people again. Air Force, different people again. So I think that diversified you by putting different tools in your bag and then it's up to you which ones you choose and use based on the people that you met and how you use them. So You're already talking about, you know, my language, I love that whole uh, different people, different exposure, yeah. you get different, different backgrounds, different opinions. You can't, you can't buy that kind of, kind of exposure no, to, you to, your, to your mind. And you can't, and I would tell you this, uh, since being retired, I would tell you that's probably the thing that I noticed now that I'm kind of settled in a little bit and the, the few folks that I do hang around, a lot of them don't have that background of military and don't really understand it from other than what they hear on TV or from other folks. And you can kind of see that they're not as diversified as us, you know, mm -hmm. on any, on a, on a lot of subjects, on a lot of subjects. Like right. what, what, what kind of subjects? Well, let's talk about investment for one. Whatever they learned from their neighborhood or their little social atmosphere they have, that's all they focus on. They don't look at different stuff. You know, travel. Traveling somewhere else, I would say nine out of 10 friends that I got, they don't want to go anywhere. They want to stay right here, right in their neighborhood. You know, when you talk about different foods, they look at you with that stink eye. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, so so they're not, <laughs> they, they're not even open to it you know what i'm saying so they hear me talking they, they put up with my talk and all that stuff and they laugh a little bit but you just kind of see the difference right off the bat and yeah, we yeah. talked about it before if you allow the military to uh if you're open to growth the military will definitely help you grow i mean yeah. i know individuals that are in the military that still have that old way of thinking of not wanting to leave, not wanting to try new things. I'm like, you're limiting yourself. Like you don't understand how much you're limiting yourself. Oh yeah, um, Yeah, it, the military will definitely show you some new things if you allow it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You say, I can get that, that force you to grow or you're gonna grow out. <laughs> you're gonna yeah, do one of yeah, two exactly. things. Exactly. You're gonna adjust from it or you're gonna be going doing something else, you yeah. know? So why did you join the military? Uh, so, uh, Reese knows I have, uh, I had my son with my first child when I was 16 years old and I was playing football in high school and walked on to Miami of Ohio University and uh, got picked up. So I was trying to do school. I was working at Taco Bell and Burger King. Uh, my soon to be wife was still in high school and I moved her from Texas up to Ohio with me and uh, we were living with my grandmother. I ain't gonna lie, man, it just got hard. It got hard. And uh, I had some family members that had been in the military and talked with them. And of course, all of them was like, no, I don't do it. But then I kind of looked at them and said, okay, uh, what are you doing with your life now? Not saying that they were doing anything bad, but I wanted something a little different. So uh, I walked down to the recruiter, talked to him. And uh, my uncle was a little upset when I told him I was in security forces. And he was like, man, that's like the army. I was like, you know what? They showed me that video and I was all in. And uh, after that, that was it. 
Yeah. 20 years later, huh? So yeah. right. Exactly. That's funny because we have similar background. Yeah. I realized that same thing. So my, my joined the military. I joined because I was lazy. That's the bottom line. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't feel like going to school, but I didn't want to stay at home. I didn't want to stay in, in Illinois. I wanted to go something different. But I ended up joining. I tried to become a cop though. I wanted to be I saw a dog handler one time at Scott Air Force Base. I did a little trip trip with my recruiter. And the guy was doing a walkthrough to a dorm with a he had a dog on. I was like, oh, I want that job. What is what does he do? Right. And the recruiter was like, oh, it's a security force. Like, sign me up for that one. I want to be that do that job. So I went in open general back in, I don't still had that now. Back in the day, it was open general. You just come in, you get what you get when you once you go to basic training. So I get in there, I put on there oh, security forces, some other job, then I put uh medical. And for some reason I didn't get security forces. And I was I was mad for a long time. You know, right. thinking back now, right? Maybe Dr. Bullet, who knows? But uh, I became a medic later on, and I loved it, loved, loved, loved it. But the security forces thing, I tried, tried to do that, but uh, it wasn't in the cards for me. Yeah. You said you went from security forces to finance. Yeah, back then it was all uh, the AFSCs were split, so I went into budget side of the house. Budget and, okay. and budget, you know, is more for supplying the base with the funds. It's not more paying the folks. That's the finance side of the house there. So I really didn't know that. Then you had some other shreds out there, but then they combined the, the shreds all together just to make financial management. So uh, right. to tell you the truth, you know, I'm, I'm glad I, and I still love my cops, you know, to this day. And every time I was stationed somewhere, wherever they were, I went to go find them. When Reese and I was at Altus, we were right across the street from the cops. And I used to go over there and make myself present. And uh, I just love that discipline, that camaraderie, uh yeah it's a it's a different world over there than the finance world but uh i think that's what helped kind of mold me a little bit a lot of that stuff was already in me before i came in the military but i just it just helped mold it and then i want to say the the interest part of it in my mind the stuff that intrigued me a little bit more my nerd side if you will that's where budget come in mm. and, and both of them relates to the outside out here you know once you retire so all those tools, you know, Reese and I had a, a conversation a couple of weeks back. All those tools, I say like this, the military gave you opportunities. And like you said, if you're hungry, you go and find those things. Now is the time to find out what you really built up. Now you're not doing the same thing every day, you know, in the military. So your time is your time. So what do you really want to do? You're not forced to go do anything, so. So with security forces, I know security forces coming in, you always get a bad rap, right? When you hear yeah. security forces as a career field, yeah. it just comes, it just has a bad rap. So um, knowing that you, you know, did it for, uh, you know, your fair share of number of years, what helped you now? I mean, you said that it, it definitely gave you discipline during those hardships, those hard times where you're working the gate and it's super cold outside or, you know what I mean? Like what helped you kind of like, push through those hard times of security forces? So one, back then with the shred that we had, I worked on the security side of the house. The gate and the car that you see driving around in the, in the commons area, that was law enforcement. And then K-9 had their own section too. So there was three shreds. So I was mm. security forces. I was an M60 gunner, uh, the big gun, you know. Uh, for the folks that seen the Rambo movies, you see him shooting it with one arm. Ain't no way in hell. <laughs> Ain't no way. Not happening. Nah, not what we <laughs> So that was the gun that I carried. And uh, my first base was Lake and Heath Air Force Base. And that's when we had the F-111s. So that's in uh, England. Say again? In England. Correct. And uh, my first assignment was there. And I was a 60 gunner. And, you know, we were with the F-111s uh, that did the bombing, you know, a few years earlier. Um, and then uh, when... Um, Desert Storm and Desert Shield kicked off. We followed those over there to Dahran. So, um, so we didn't. I didn't get to participate in that security forces. I mean, in the law enforcement jobs, not until a little bit later. Um, which I end up going back to security because I didn't like that side of the house too much. But to go back to your original question, when you had some tough times, you got some tight people. The camaraderie there is deep. Uh, I would tell you that I have some tight folks in the comptroller, the finance world, but my brothers and the sisters over there in uh, the security forces, I don't know, it, it's kind of almost like you're from the same neighborhood, you kind of, everyone's on the same pay scale, 
everybody's the same tax bracket. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody kind of spoke the same language. Yeah, yeah. When I got into finance, it was a little bit different. You know, you quickly found out who you're not going to hang out with in the finance mm. world. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, again, it goes back to the people. Uh, I got a phrase that I, I said as I was coming up. The pen is not mightier than the sword. A lot of folks, that's what they depend on today, uh, especially in the military. And I've seen it here in the civilian world too. You know, this right here, it goes a long way when you go up there and you show somebody how you feel about what happened, whether it's excitement or disappointment. And I would tell you one of the stories that I have uh, about discipline is I was an airman. I think, I think I had just put on my first stripe. I came in as airman basic. And we were in the NCO club. And you have to walk past the senior NCO lounge, which has the chief's lounge in there as well. And I was walking by there one day and I heard somebody call me, said, Airman Phillips, come in here. So I went in there and there was a circle of master sergeants and up. I remember three chiefs in there. And uh, they told me to sit down, order a drink from the bar. So I just ordered a Heineken. And they was like, no, we see you always drinking. Give him a Heineken or whatever he's, I mean, uh, Hennessy, whatever he's drinking. We see you drinking something else. But after I got the drink, sat down with them and they had meant to go in on me, you know? And then at the end of the day, I mean, at the end of the conversation, they kind of built me back up. Just saying, hey, we think that you were built a little bit better than what you're doing. And, and I'm gonna tell you that disappointment in their eyes went so much further than if they would have wrote me up any day. And from then on, man, I went on and got BTZ. Uh, then I went to go work Elite Gate Guard and, and stuff like that. So again, people, you know, they're gonna notice something about you. I, I remember my aunt telling me when I was about ninth grade, she said, if you continue to do good, people were always gonna want you. And it just applies at different times in your life in different you know, uh, sections or whatever, what kind of environment you're in, what kind of dealers you're dealing with, and, and you just press from there. Just keep using those different tools that people gave you, you know, mm -hmm. so. Something you mentioned that I noticed that back in the day, back, I say our day, we were a little older than the other two fellows on here. You were allowed to make mistakes back then, get corrected. You know what I mean? Like those dudes sat you down and talked to you, gave you, yeah. they gave you those words yeah. to put you on that, on that right path and get you, get you going. I had the same thing. My first EPR, I took you all the time, was a three. Mm. And it was a well-deserved three because I was a knucklehead, knucklehead little airman. Right. I said, but I had those, I, I, his name was Clinton Hall. He brought me into the office. It was a one-way conversation. It was what kind of your daddy give you that you don't want, that you don't like. Right, you know right. what I mean? Him talking like the way he talked back then, that wouldn't happen nowadays. But back then, him telling you what I needed to know, kind of course corrected. You know what I mean? You had a hard conversation. You sat down and said, hey, you got potential, but you blowing to doing stupid stuff. He told me that. And because of that, I kind of progressed. And my, I think my career is successful. I felt, I felt it was because of that conversation. Right. So I think that's something that's kind of missing now today is that people, you can't tell these young folks that in that way, you got to be more kinder and gentler. You know, uh -huh. if, you, if you hurt their feelings too bad, then they, they shrivel up and they're not going to progress at all. You know, that's a different, different breed out there. You know, or, so it's that. Or they want you to write it down, document it, so they can yeah. have a trail. And a paper trail. Versus, yeah. Yeah. Close the door and say, hey, <laughs> you effing up. Look at you. You know yeah. what I mean? I had that term water wall counseling. Yeah. That, <laughs> that way it's dying. It's, it's slowly dying, man. Like the, the older, the older senior NCOs that really came up from that time that still kind of promoted that type of discipline. Yeah. They are now starting to retire. So yes. that is really, I mean, yes. it, it truly is a dying practice. Yeah. And, and I would tell you this, uh, everything that you were saying there, and, and it's sad to hear, but I saw it too, as I was getting ready to retire. Nobody wants to have that face to face. They don't want to have that personal, that personal touch, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I would tell you like this, being out here, you know, you being retired, it's the same out here. The military world, I hate to say, we have our differences, but when you look at a lot of practices, it's still the same out here too. You know what I'm saying? So you go in the corporate atmosphere, you still gonna answer to somebody. Oh, you still somebody. Feel, you're mm -hmm. gonna have to follow their rules on their dress and appearance. You know what I'm saying? Or how you talk. The same thing we do in the military. 
So when, when all those civilians, they be talking about, oh, I can't take all those orders and all that stuff, you're doing the same thing already. The same yeah. thing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? They yeah. just, they haven't been able to experience something different. They can only go by what they heard, you know, yeah. so. It's funny, like, when I talk to uh, younger individuals or um, mostly, like, family members or real close friends of the family when, you know, you, you bring something up or you may... Um, advise them to join the military or give them a recommendation and they're like i i can't be in the military because i'm you know <laughs> and i'm looking at that. like man listen for one we got real killers in the military yeah. you have an attitude you know what i'm saying you need it <laughs> you need the attitude adjustment <laughs> and i think what you're saying is you're either frightened to to get it or you are content with yourself which is cool but that may cause you issues in the long run. Because you, you guys have seen, I remember my first week at basic training in San Antonio, I was 18. There was 23, 24, 25 year old men with wife and kids crying because they yeah. <laughs> crying for their mom and you in a bunk, yeah. you know, in a row of bunks with like 40 other dudes and you like, yo, shut up, yeah. you're trying to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it really breaks you down mentally. Mm -hmm. um, me personally, you know, not not having a father around, that was the first time I had, uh, like, had to answer to a, a male, um, basically authoritative figure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and granted, and you don't know what you don't know, so I didn't know I needed that. And that basically, when you're talking to a, a woman or your mom, you could kind of smile and say, oh, you know, shed the tears. But when you're talking to a, a man, it's like, this is the standard, you're here, you need to get up here, Oh, we're going we're gonna to have to figure it out. Right. And, you know, and like you gentlemen were saying about um, the conversations you had, it is different when, especially when um, that person setting an example and they're squared away and, you know, they care about you. It's like, man, I can't let this person down. And they, and they say they see something in me. You know, where I'm from, you know, a lot of times people don't say that. So what happens is, you know, they like you said, they build you up and you, you meet enough people, get enough mentors where um, you don't want to start letting people down, you right. know, and that's also part of the motivation too. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you guys, for you two gentlemen who are retired and being on the other side of retirement, <clears throat> what uh, in your 22 and 28 year careers, basically not really just the um, outside corporate side, but as a person, as a human being, as a man, um, as a black man, what lessons did you learn that kind of made you who you are today from those from that career? Okay. Go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. Let me take, take it. I think one of the one of the biggest things is how to deal with people, different personalities. Uh, you're in the military, you're PCSing, you're going to PCSing, changing, you know, changing stations, meet different people. You learn how to deal with a bunch of personalities. I don't care what, what background they come from. You learn how to deal with those that are easy to get along with, those that are not. Male, female, black, white, doesn't matter. You, you're forced to. It's not like you, it's like a choice. You come to a unit and your supervisor is a blonde white woman. Guess what you're gonna learn how to deal with? You're gonna learn how to deal with a blonde white, white woman. That's, that's how it is. Doesn't matter what your background is. You're gonna have to adjust and learn from that. And throughout the years in the military, you learned a lot on what not to say and what to say and how to conduct yourself. Like I learned is a thing that uh, I learned how to do is I had, a, I had a, what's called a work voice. But you know how to say and act a certain way around certain people. Everybody has oh, yeah. that. Yeah. We have a culture have. We have a culture yeah. like that. We code switch. I was yeah. like, but the military is a little different. You gotta say certain things in certain certain environments. And you take that once you retire, it's that same thing. You gotta be able to conduct yourself in any kind of room because you learn how to deal, deal with people. And you guys know when I uh, retired from the military, I got into teaching in high school in uh, Jay, Rod Jay Rodsey. In that environment, dealing with the uh, teachers and students, you got personalities that are different. I mean, you got students that personalities are completely, and I say one in 180 degrees from each other and every day, depending on what day it is. If you can adjust to that, you will, you'll, you'll break down. You gotta be able to handle that in a way that you earn their respect, you're given that respect, and you get that thing where they can trust you. And people can trust you once you know how to deal with them on their level. You can't deal with everybody the same way. You can't hit everybody with a hammer and expect them to expect them correct. You know, some take different, different, different level of discipline or different level of communication. And the military taught me that. 
It wasn't something I learned overnight. It was 22 years of dealing with people, dealing with airmen, different, dealing with different uh, leadership styles. And you take that in the civilian, civilian world and you're not gonna forget those things. It's something you can't unlearn. You can't unlearn how to deal with people. That's one thing I appreciate to this day. Cause you, like I said, I go, going back home, different people we know growing up with and they can't deal with people. They just decided, so they figured not, they, they won't do it at all. So they stay in the little cliques, stay in the little environment that's comfortable to them because outside of what they know is uncomfortable and they, they don't like it. But the military, you have to. And I love that lesson they taught me on how to deal with people. Yeah, you, you hit it right on, right on the head. I mean, I can't say anything more. Everything is about people. Uh, people are gonna be people and how you adjust in whatever your adventure is with them whether it be a good one or a bad one, it's going to make the outcome. Uh, I, I got plenty of stories on those, you know, ranging mm -hmm. from when I was probably a senior airman all the way up to chief. And, and it all it all goes with how you're able to deal with people. Uh, some of the folks that I've had to chew out before, I could get in their ass. I could put foot to ass, which is one of my favorite things of saying, and they take it and they run with it. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like that disappointment, you know, talk. And they're hard enough to take it and they run with it. Then there's other people, I have to say the word, you disappointed me. Mm -hmm. and, and I might get the tears, but at the end of the day, I get the same result. They want to do better. The other folks that don't want to do better, eventually we get them out, you know, or we weed them out of somewhere. I wasn't one of those type of people where I'm going to let you PCS on and you want to become somebody else's problem. Uh, I, I always look at it like this. I didn't want my last name on you. Oh, that's a Phillips boy. That's a Phillips girl. And they just doing all kind of dumb stuff. No, mm -hmm. I wasn't raised like that either. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted, I wanted to try to make the system work the way it was supposed to work. So it's really knowing your audience. I mean, that that's like oh, yeah. the thing that you guys are getting to is just knowing your audience, knowing who you're working with, who you're working for. Um, I mean, that's something I definitely developed, um, you know, in my time in the military is just how to navigate your environment. That's huge because they, I mean, I don't want to say that obviously some people look at us and they may already have a certain thought about us, right? Just being black men. I got a right? gold tooth, man. I got a gold tooth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, you just gotta, I mean, it, it, I mean, you guys said it perfectly, man. It's it's adapting and just knowing who your audience is and just adapting to their personality and, um, and thriving from that. Yeah. You know, I, I look at it, man. Uh, you know, sometimes when I'm talking, like when I went to barber school after I got out, I've been cutting hair since I had probably been about 13 or 14 years old and always wanted to get licensed when I was in the military, but just never was stationed somewhere long enough or it wasn't the priority at that time frame. So when I retired, I went on and did it. And so that's a whole different caliber of people, I thought, until you start getting to know them. And it's no different. I mean, I could paint a scenario from football. I could paint a scenario from working at McDonald's. I could paint a scenario from working in the military with every different type of person that was in there. It was all how we handled the situation, you know? So you were totally correct. Uh, navigating those waters. This is one thing as I became a senior in chief, I didn't want to navigate. I wanted to be the sub that went straight ahead and they just had to deal with me. But what I tried to do was sharpen those tools to be not only as professional in my communication, but my output. So it was always one of those things as, a, as an officer, my job is to best inform you with the best information I got so you can make the best decision. Now, what you do from it from there, I just got to stand ready to either ride with you or ride with you. Because that, that's, that's just the nature of the beast in that one. If you did something wrong, I still got to ride with you to get it better because it affects my people too. Now, if you did something that was right when we talked about you, hell, let's ride this until the wheels fall off. You know what I'm saying? So I tried to keep walking that path because what I always wanted to do was, you know, you can use the terminology, be real or whatever, but I wanted folks to have faith and trust in me that, okay, chief is an asshole, but he's a fair asshole. You know what I'm saying? So, so and it's still the same kind of 
ways I deal with stuff today, but you kind of know it when you walk into the atmosphere, how much of an asshole you can be, you know, and, and it all depends on how bad you want whatever you're going into. If it ain't worth it, don't worry about it. One of the realest things I heard uh, a first hard to say was <clears throat> when it came to his people, leading his people, he's like, uh, if you if you mess up, um, I'll always stand beside you. But if you messed up, did the right thing and got the wrong outcome, which happens all the time, um, I'll stand in front of you. And you know, uh, I heard a speech where the guy was talking about so you're you're a chief, and I don't just to, to frame it for the um, those not familiar with the military. That's the highest rank uh, of an enlisted member, so it's very prestigious. Um, so there's chiefs and there's E nines, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. Hey, I that's preach now. Yeah. So, yeah, so I heard a, I heard a big uh, difference a speech uh, where one of the chiefs was talking about um, how there's two ways to lead. You can lead by uh, rank or you can lead by respect. Uh, both of them get the job done, but both of them have two totally different results. And and we've all had those bosses where um, both sides officer and enlisted, where you you know they got an agenda. It's all about them. You know, it's all about, this is just a pit stop. It's command. It's just a pit stop just for them to get to the next stepping stone. But you know, you stand there, salute proudly, do the job. But everyone's just holding their breath, counting the counting days when this person leaves and and PCSs. Um, and then you have those, and you usually see them at the going aways or the retirement, where people are just breaking down in tears, like you know, this is my best supervisor. Yeah. This person changed yeah. my life. Um, and then you got those when they leaving, no one shows up, or they send a whole mm -hmm. bunch of emails like. You better show up for it and show this person respect. Mandatory. We got to feel that like this, like, <laughs> yeah. hurry up, like, go, you know. Yeah. Um, right. And it's unfortunate, but that's one of the things I learned in, in the military. And I think uh, um, D was around when I was in that transition from officer to enlisted. A lot of time I was a senior airman, I was an E4, um, a little more than about, about four years in the game. I was very confident and I felt that my ideas and work ethic was better than those above me. And I always had to basically got put back down to earth. Like this ain't your time yet. Like this person is in this position. This is this person's job. Just wait, wait your turn. You know, one day you will be in this position. Right now, you're not. And basically just put things in perspective the chain of command. And I use that chain of command everywhere from even my household where I have, um, you know, a 13 year old and I look at her like, you're in charge. When we leave, you're in charge. But guess what? You got to set the example. When she gets a little more for Christmas and her birthday, I look at the 10 year old and say, she has more responsibilities than you. You know what I mean? Do you do mm. this? Do you do that? No, she has more responsibilities. She does a good job. When you don't do something, I ask you about it, but guess what? I ask her about it and so on and so forth. So, and then also the military has helped me just lead everything um, from like our, our black and brown investors chat to most importantly, my household, just having that that structure. Cause everyone can't run amok and, and it's gotta, I think everything has to have structure, you know, from, yeah. from the government to family to, you know, sports and the military basically that's the foundation. That's what we're, that's what we're built on. Right. I was telling my son the other day, I was telling my son, this is yesterday, we were talking about, uh, I forgot what we were talking about, but he asked, hey, can I be in charge of the household for just a day? I'm like, charge of the household for a day? I said, like, all right. He said, what would you do if you in charge of the household for a day? And he said, let everybody do anything they want to do. They have no, no, uh, no uh, phone time limits, <laughs> no internet limits. No rules. Brownies. I said, now, so as a leader, I said, you do that. Who wins? He said, everybody wins. They can do what they want. I said, no, you're hurting the whole household. You may think they're winning, but you're hurting everybody. You gotta, you're, as a leader, you got to take responsibility to make sure you can make decisions that help them help themselves and help the household as a whole. I said, now you eating brownies for breakfast, it may be good at the time, but it's good for you long term. He was like, no. He said, you as a leader got to understand those type of things. I said, you, it's not about you being in charge and you, you, they do everything you got to do. It's more responsibility. 
Now, now you're in charge. You got to make sure everybody has what they need at all the times around the household. Can you do that? He was like, nah, never mind. I, wanna, I don't want to be in charge. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. something so simple, man. When you are the leader, when you are that person, like, for example, for you, chief, when you are a chief, it's no longer, it's not easier. They ain't got right. responsibilities. Yeah. People don't understand that. Like, now you got to make sure everybody else is taken care of. So you being a, being a, being a, being a chief, what was your philosophy as a leader when you, when you were doing that? You know what? I, I, I don't think I really had a philosophy. I just had deal with every situation that came up the best way I could. You know, uh, it's funny that you said that because I get a lot of phone calls, still emails from a lot of people who are now in those master sergeant, senior master sergeant chief positions uh, from EPRs to helping them with EPRs packages or what, mm -hmm. What would, what would you do in this type of situation? And, and it's funny because I remember and I make jokes with them. Hey, you was one of the folks that was giving me backlash back then. But I tell them I appreciate it because now you understand what we had to go through. I said, I was once you guys too. I said, I remember I was in Inzalik, Turkey and we had a senior mass sergeant as our superintendent. And granted, this is only like my third year as being financed. So I really wasn't embracing it yet. Uh, I was still proud to be, you know, security foley, uh, police. <laughs> and I had a senior that was, I just called him a politician straight out, man. I, I just felt that he wasn't fighting for us and doing all that type of stuff. It wasn't until I became a master that I started seeing some of the behind door stuff that he had to go through, you know. Uh, now, I don't know how much he fought you know, when we were at Inzalik for us at that time frame. But I, I would tell you this, as soon as I became a superintendent, um, I called him, I found him and I called him up and I said, hey man, I wanna apologize. I, I definitely understand it right now. And so with all the folks that are sending me emails and they haven't told me that, but by them still coming to reach out for, you know, to me, I understand what they are saying. I understand what they Yeah, saying. that's like being a parent when you were a kid, you'd be like, when I have a kid, I'm never yeah. going to do this. Either. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. Let them do everything they want to yeah. do. Yeah, exactly. just who did you have a kid when you run in that first situation of confrontation and you make yeah. that hard call and then they go balling because they can't do whatever and you look back and, you know, you like, you understand. Or, you know, you, you go a track where all your other friends or cousins are, you know, going off, basically ha have another track and you're like, man, so I understand why I was raised this way. So yeah, yep. and it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how good um, you can relate that to, you know, leadership, you know, good management techniques as a parent. It doesn't matter how much you learn from your predecessor. You're always going to have someone under you that doesn't understand until they're in that spot. Yeah, correct. Mm -hmm. I mean, we I got a guy that I work with now, uh, young black dude. He's like, I think he just turned 20 years old, very intelligent guy, but he's just He's still very immature to a, to, you know, to a certain extent. And plus, you right. know it all. And, and we all were there. Cause at 20, and he knows I knew, exactly. I was up he to the commander. All. I knew if I was in that seat, I could do everyone's job better. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Right, right. Yep. He thinks he knows it all. And I, we've had this conversation. I'm like, man, you don't understand what, you know, our senior CEOs are getting from that, you know, from their end that they have to bring down to us. Now, a lot of that may come from um, tactic, right? I mean, just because you're a senior CEO doesn't necessarily mean that you can tactfully <laughs> spread information. You may just not know how to do it tactfully. Um, but yeah, I just tell them like, look, man, when you get there, if you get there, you'll understand. You will yeah. understand when you get there. Yeah. Because it is a lot. It's a lot that comes down from the top. I would say, Jason, going back to your original question, even though I don't have a philosophy on it, I always said I always wanted to walk the same path every day. And what I mean by the path is that I don't come in there and I'm wishy-washy today. And then I'm all hunky-dory and fine tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? They get what they get. It goes back to what I was saying, um, what kind of person that you're going to get from an airman basic all the way up to chief, to a coach, from a player to a coach, to uh, a learner to the teacher. You know what I'm saying? It's the same person, and this is how we're going to handle this situation, because then they have that trust in you from whatever situation was before that I'm going to give it the old Buckeye fight every time I go in there for you. You know what I'm saying? So if I could 
put it in, you know, any kind of phrase like that is just be the same every time you go in there, but just assess your situation. And then that's when you have to look at which tool I'm gonna go back and pull out for it. But you, you're the same person. If I was trying to grow back then, I'm still trying to grow today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. So consistency, basically. Yeah, consistency. And I think that goes back to being tactful. I mean, if 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 that's you and that's the way that you show care and it's a genuine care, people would definitely feed off of that. But yeah. like you said, those individuals that are wishy-washy where you really don't know what you're going to get, those are the worst. Those, yeah. Some of those people can be the worst. Like, I'm not trying to talk to you because I don't know who I'm going to get today. Yeah. Right. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type situation. Yeah, I had a boss yeah. that was consistently inconsistent, like... <laughs> or, or or just handle people situations differently depending on on who know, yeah yeah just just who it was mm, and right. you know and, and once that happens once you and you know chief uh once you have that that heavy hand everyone's looking like all right you, you set the standard Yep. Ne next thing pop up, everyone's looking like, all right, this is yep. this is what you did the last time. Or exactly. all right, you was lenient the first time. Everyone's looking at you. What what exactly you what you gonna do next? Exactly. Yeah. And that's a very fine line to walk. <laughs> it's a very fine line. Like you better <laughs> better play it, better play it right. Gotta be mm -hmm. gotta be confident, gotta be consistent. Yeah. I remember the first time uh I walked in, you know, my boss told me uh Get to my office, eight, or someone was like, "Hey, uh, Colonel So and So was looking for you." I walked in, told me to close the door, and I got that that vibe. Like, what, what did I do? He's like, "So and So, one of your troops got a, a DUI yesterday, last night." I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's okay." Well, why? Why did you? I'm like, well, first of all, it's I don't know. Thirty in the morning. Hopefully, <laughs> by my working. response, you just knew. I find out. Well, you need yeah. to look into like he's asking me questions, but that's. That's kind of the stuff you, you deal with. And I'm pretty sure um, at your level, you've done with it, you know, cause I, this is only at the flight level. So when you're dealing, it, dealing with it at a group level and the wing level, I can just only imagine um, how you walk in in the, in the day saying, these are my list of tasks I wanna knock out. <laughs> and first thing in the morning, you, you're just dropped with this whatever on your desk. And you're like, this is gonna take up my whole week. So how did, how did you deal with things like that? You know, it's funny at the, at the group, the, at the squadron group and wing level, never really had to, never really had any big issues with that. And I'm going to say the reason why is because we had hands on with the people. Hmm. Now, when I got to PACAP and you're dealing with MAGCOM, that was a little different. Now, of course you can't have hands on with all the folks out there, but, um, Going TDY and talking with the folks, shaking the hands, letting them see that you're there, as long as you do the right thing as far as the protocol rules are. If you're going to call me, I have no problem. Open door policy, I didn't like to say that. Call me anytime. Come see me anytime. What it is is that you have to do, do, by, do right by your chain of command first. Give them that opportunity or tell them that you just want to call somebody else and get a different opinion, you know what I'm saying? So never had those issues too much at the wing. And, and when I did get some of those calls like that, yeah, I brought the supervisor with me and we handled it together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, it wasn't like the situation where, you know, where your boss called you in and I'm asking you all these questions, knowing, knowing that you probably don't know it yet because you probably didn't get the phone call. Mm -hmm. I'm the commander, I got the phone call. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm the chief, I got the phone call. And I'm supposed to let you know. <laughs> so, uh, so no, I can't say that I really had too many of those issues. Even when I was at Osan, which Osan was... Uh, uh, Korea. Yeah, Osan, Korea, my bad. Yeah. They, it, it was known for being the Wild Wild West. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say at that time, we had a group of chiefs out there, group of leadership in period, period. That was really in, in, in touch with the folks. So yeah, we had some foolishness going on, but I thought there was a, a lot of involvement with the leadership to make things work. It kind of reminded me of being security police again. You know what I'm saying? It could be a doggy-doggy a world, but I would tell you this, 
They try to take care of the folks that they know was doing right or who had potential. You know what I'm saying? The folks that didn't have the potential, it wasn't like they just kicked them to the curb right off the bat. But what they tried to do is work with you to put you back on the path that you needed to be on, whatever it might have been. So I felt like it was that same leadership style at Osan. And you just you just roll with it because things are good, you know. So I never, I, I, Reese, to answer your question, I never really had to go through that too much. Okay. So I'm about to, we're about to uh, give the people some tangible. So it's going to be a two-part question. So the first question to all of you gentlemen is um, those who are, you know, in high school or parents of high schoolers or maybe just young adults um, kind of in the, in the holding pattern, not sure where their life is headed, uh, what would you tell that person about joining the military and if they should or not? So Chief, I'll let you go first, D. All right. Uh, so great question there. You know, a lot of folks that haven't experienced the military or didn't have a good uh, experience in it, they'll, they'll talk so much noise about it. I, I look at it as a stepping stone. And that's when how I came in, it was supposed to be a stepping stone until I started meeting all these different people. And I, I would tell you, it wasn't about the Air Force mission at first for me. It was the people and, and the travel. Don't get me wrong on that one. I didn't start doing school until I think I was a staff sergeant, until I cross-trained. Um, because in the cop career field, that, that wasn't a big priority. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it was the people. So I was liking dealing with the people from all different branches, you know, I mean, not, uh, not just branches of life, uh, I mean, of work, but different branches of life that just gave you something to put in your pocket. So I tell the folks that, you know, that are looking maybe at the military as being their next adventure after high school, um, think about it because it's not built for everybody, just being honest. But go in there and have an understanding of that this is going to be a little bit different from what you're used to. Um, and then while you're in there, if you decide to go in there, whether it be for four years or 20 years, utilize that time to take care of yourself and get what you need to to make you succeed in whatever your next step is, whether the four years is go back into the civilian world or you want to take in another assignment somewhere else. But at the end of the day, because the military, we have we have a uh, expiration date on us. That's why they call it retirement or separation. Okay, we have an expiration date. When you get to that point, what did you accomplish in that time? So I also say look at it the same way. If you don't go in the military, if you go into college for four years or whatever, utilize that time to get the met, you know, get the most out of whatever you got op uh, opportunities to access to, to better yourself. And then when you get it and you move on to something else, how do you just keep improving? So going back to the military, it's a thinking process that you want to do. But when you go in there, understand it's going to be a little different and go in there and try to capitalize on whatever opportunities you got. So like Chief said, um, the military isn't for everyone, but if you if you feel that you know you definitely want to try something new, step out of your comfort zone. Um, it, it's it's not an over. It's not a bad gig. You know what I mean. You can learn a lot, um, but it goes back to being open to that growth. Um, you're gonna learn a lot. You know you're gonna you're gonna meet a lot of new people. You know a lot of people that ain't from your block, from your hood, from your city, from your country. Like. You, you're going to meet people from all walks of life. So just be open to the change, be open to the growth. Um, and whether you do four years, 20 years or 30 years, um, use the military to your advantage because it's going to use you. You know what I mean? Like, like Chief said, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, we have a, a timestamp, whether you do four years or 30 years, um, you know, do what you can take the, get the most out of the military education, travel, and just grow, and you'll be a better person for it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, what I would say is for me, that decision is talk to those that have done it. You know, don't base your perception on what you see on TV or Hollywood or, or social media. You seek out somebody that's done what you want to do, even not the military, whatever it is, what it is, right? I'm talking about the military, but whatever right. it is, 
is talk to them and ask a bunch of questions because most folks that have been in the military would love to tell you things. They'll tell you the real, they'll tell you the, the day-to-day, the in and out, the good pros and the cons. So gather the information up before you make a decision and find someone that has been in where, or has been where you want to go. I'm not talking about recruiters. I'm talking about, you know, outside, that's their job to get you in. Right. Those that are not, you know, have that responsibility to get you in there in military. Talk to those that have done it. You know, longer the longer they've been in, the more information you can get from them. So find those people, ask questions. If I may piggyback on Jason there, make sure yep. when you're asking somebody who's done it, make sure it's the type of person that you already look up to, admire. <laughs> I was going to say yes. that. I'm the guy that's been in a year, got kicked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Honorably discharged. You trust. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Even if they did get a input from that person, seek another one. You know what I'm saying? Several. Yeah. So one thing we got to say, I hate to say it, man, but everybody wore a uniform is not a hero. So you got to make exactly. sure you find those those ones that actually, you know, did the right thing, you know, that, that honorably, you know, and then ask their opinion. You know, you got to value them first. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I echo everything everyone's saying. Um, I, I think if you are in a holding pattern, you don't have money for school. Uh, so the military is not for everyone and neither is college. So yep. um, if, you, if you're in that, uh, you don't have money for tech, uh, a trade, or you may not know what trade to go in, um, I would say the military is not a bad place for you to, uh, you know, try to find yourself. So there, you know, there's really, really great locations like Italy, England, Germany, Japan. Um, and then, you know, there's places like where I went to, Oklahoma, when I, when I was uh, a <laughs> That's the best of the best. Best of the best but, of the best. But it was, you know, it was a blessing in disguise because I, I knocked out a lot, you know, I knocked out a lot in there. Um, but definitely not a bad holding pattern because if you do it right on the other side of that three or four years or 20 years, what you will have are uh, benefits to, to pay for school. Uh, you will have, um, uh, you would have known you would have been in physical shape during that time because, you know, that's a standard. <laughs> Um, yeah. You would have gotten great medical care. Um, you would have had, hopefully, traveled, seen some things. But more importantly, um, you would have met some great people at the least who would have given you some advice on life, uh, finances, uh, education, nutrition, all of that stuff. And then, you know, at 22, now you're armed. And hopefully, you should know where you're, you know, what, what career field you want to go to, what college you want to go to college now would be would have been paid for or you stay in the military because now you like it you know right yeah so my second question would be and you guys kind of touched on it but let's go real in depth if you're already in the military right so you're in the military and uh you're either on the fence of getting out or you're like at that 18 19 uh year frame where retirement um you're knocking on retirement's door so what will you? What advice do you give those who's in the military, and uh, what would you tell them about getting everything out of the system? So when they are done, whether it's after the four-year mark, ten-year mark, the twenty-year mark, or the thirty-year mark, um, they're equipped to even be more successful on the other side. Uh, I mean, it's going to just go back to what I was saying there before. You know, stacking that toolbox. Um, the more tools you get you're more equipped to deal with any kind of situation, whether it be in the military or, or after. So I, I, I'll take investment because me and Reese, we, we started our conversation. I think that's how we really started talking to each other in Altus was when we started talking about investments. Yeah, you told me to buy a house at well, when I was like 22. He actually so, brought up bring, buying a duplex in uh, Colleen, Texas. And this was like in 08. And I looked oh, at wow. him like, why would I do? So so one of the reasons why I did that, and I was sharing because uh, I'll go back to my cop days. My second assignment um, was F.E. Warren Air Force Base up in uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming. And some of my counterparts out there that didn't look like me, these guys had houses, but they were senior airmen too. So naturally, right off the bat, I thought that they come from a rich family. Mm. But come to find out some of them didn't. What they did is they just got advice from somebody else and they saw how 
technically Uncle Sam's paying for it. Instead of yeah. living in Grace Housing, Uncle Sam's paying for your, your home then. And then you you learn more stuff. So I kind of I got on the late track. I don't think I bought my first home until I was a tech sergeant. Mm -hmm. But I was just trying to share a success story with somebody who had opportunity and looked like they was into understanding it and, and wanted to grow from something. I wasn't like that. ready yet. I wish I was because. <laughs> Yeah. Man, yeah, me too. So, so what I had started doing is I was in Hawaii and you know the cost of living in Hawaii is over is crazy in the real estate. And I had bought a house over there and I sold it and came, they sent me to uh Altus, Oklahoma. So I have all this money sitting there, cash, and I'm kind of like, okay, what am I gonna do with it? What's my next investment? At that time I was shying away from stocks because when I was in England for two years, I was using my cola to invest in stocks. But at that time frame, this is 2000 to 2002. And if you guys go back and look, that was a bad time for the market. Yeah. And I, so between my inexperience and that market, I, I lost all my cola. All right? So I didn't gain anything. So I, I was gun shy of going back into stocks. So real estate had always been successful for me, but I was using it for my primary residence. So I said, okay, now I'm going to take this money and I'm going to go out here. And my goal is to own houses up and down the street. And I went out there and I got with a partner of mine uh, from high school. And he was a builder at that time frame and we built duplexes. Oh and man, that's so, dope. Yeah, and I took that man, money. That's and, dope. So what's this now, what, 11 years now, Reese? No, 10 years? 12, 13, uh, yeah. it's like 08, 09. Yeah, so duplexes down in, in the Fort Hood area, Colleen is the area for Fort Hood. I don't think I've had a vacancy for more than a month. Yeah, we know we Basically. were we were looking in that market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were like two great, months ago, man. <laughs> Literally, so, and I remember like it. I think it was when did you get promoted to a uh, senior? When did I sew on? Yeah, was that oh oh eight oh nine? Yeah, so I remember being at your uh, at the E Club at your promotion party and you talking about it. And I'm just like, why? Why am I, why would I do that? You know, and now <laughs> three properties later, I'm just looking like, man, I that would have started man. it all. That probably would have been my most successful event because the cost of living is just so cheap and it's basically guaranteed right. rent. So yeah, but but still you still planted that that seed, though I didn't, you know, take advantage of it. Uh th those are the type of conversations that when you know when you enter the military, um you don't know you're going to have. And those back home are definitely, are probably not having with you because nobody else from Chicago was having those conversations with me. Nor from where I'm from, you know what I'm saying? So uh, again, that goes back to why you're in the military. When you, when you are forced to work with all these different people, not only the tools that Uncle Sam's going to give you or the opportunities that they're going to give you to travel, education, uh, whatever it may be, yeah, we don't make a whole lot of money compared to our civilian counterparts because it's based on rank. We may have way more knowledge than our civilian counterpart, but unfortunately, I'm a senior airman, you know what I'm saying? Or I'm a lieutenant, so I get paid at this rank. But I will say this, you can be a millionaire. Mm, you can yeah. be a millionaire in the military, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because you have all these different tools that maybe your counterpart may not be exposed to. And I even, I'll even say it for college. College, they get exposed to a lot of stuff, but college is still a single community. We moved to, I've had 11 communities, if you will, and then throw in deployments, TDYs, where you meet somebody and then you just keep expounding. So uh, for the folks that are in there, if you've done all those things at whatever year group you're in, then you'll be able to make a confident decision about staying or leaving. You know, if you're at the 10-year mark or at the 18-year mark. So um, just do all you can in there and get all you can out of there. And at the end of the day, it's still building you. So it, it, while you're in the military, we all have the same stuff over here on the left side, except for our jobs. Over here, this is what makes that uniform. This is your name tag right here. This says Phillips, you know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I'm gonna still be Phillips when I take the uniform off. So what did I do to build Phillips up? You know what I'm saying? Or in the negative case, did I not do? Did I not do anything? Mm. And I can't. I can't lie to myself if I didn't do anything. I can lie to other people and say all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, I know I didn't do 
what I was supposed to do or what I wanted to do to build myself up. So okay. that's my input on that. Okay. What about you guys? Go ahead, Jason. Go ahead, yes, one, two things. So the first thing, Chief already touched on, touched on this, is that while you were in, or you're about to get out, have those investments already done or in place to help supplement your income once you get out. And know your number. They call it the, I don't want to say it on this one, the FU number. The number you need to be able to sustain yourself in your lifestyle. You should know that number. If you know you need $60,000 a year and you're about to separate and you know you're only bringing in $2,000 a month, all right, you got to do some math to figure out how you're going to do these things, how you're going to get what you need to uh, make that income. The first thing is invest your like, PCS, you PCSing, you buy a house, you get investment, you build that stuff up. The second thing is we put a lot of time in EPRs and writing bullets and 1206s and OPRs and all of that. That's, those are resumes. What you need to do is take those same things, those same bullets you've been putting in all these years on EPRs and start translating those now into what your resume is going to be later on. That way you know what your worth is. A lot of folks I'm finding out, they're getting out of the military, retiring or separating, they don't know their worth. So they can offer a job, should I go for a job? They have no idea what to, what to, what to ask for, what to demand, because they don't know what their worth is. But if you start now with those EPRs and those OPR and those bullets and translating that into civilian language that translates into a monetary value, then you will know what your worth is when once you separate. And you need to know that number. You need to know based on the certification and my project management, based on my MBA, whatever degree you have or certifications, I am and my experience in my experience in job experience and management and leadership, my value is this number. Yeah. That way you know. That way, every time you get out the military, you know, they do this stuff in taps, but I think it's a little too late. It should be done throughout your entire career. Correct. Is you know, once you separate and tire, what your worth is. That way, when you get out there and get on LinkedIn or network groups and talking to people, you know, my skill set, my experience is worth $120,000 a year. So I'm looking for, for positions that are going to pay me that or more. That way, you're not waffling around, not, not quite sure. Now, the second thing is if you do that, and realize that your net worth or your uh, your uh, value is less than what you want, then make some adjustments. These things, things you got to do. Education you got to get, certifications, whatever you got to do to get, get your your uh, your worth up and do that. But the bottom line is, know what your worth is before you get into the world and try to scramble around trying to figure it out. Know what that is. So I'll say, um, so with Chief, you said earlier, um, that you know when you look in the mirror you know that you didn't do something you know that you just didn't do it right and then back to what jay said with knowing your worth whether you're doing four years you know 10 20 30 one have a plan you know what i mean definitely try to have a plan especially if you know you're only going to do four years that 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 four years will go by so fast it just it, it it flies by um know what the military offers you because there's a lot of programs that we have in the military that people just don't know about. Like, get out, ask the question. Know what you want to do. Look at your civilian uh, counterpart, your, your uh, job equivalent. Does it translate? Because there's jobs in the military that don't translate to the civilian side. You know what I mean? Pretty sure you're doing a hindrance to yourself when you get out because the military is a stepping stone. There's a timestamp. You're not going to be able to stay in the military forever. So yep, start working towards a career that you want to do on the outside how do i get from point a to point b you know what i mean if that means i got a cross train or whatever you know shadow you know intern whatever do what you need to do to set yourself up for success because that time is going to fly by i mean i like i just hit 18 years i'm like man i can't believe it but i, I mean i'll set myself up you know so just have a plan and and, and execute I love all the inputs on there, but mine was the general because there's so many different things that we could probably share with somebody about different aspects. And, and so it goes back to you and I, Jason, you and I are the only ones retired. I'm, right. not, I'm not stopping anybody who wants to listen. I'm going to give them my story and, and some of the things I wish I would have did or some of the things I did that was successful and definitely the things that I did that weren't was not successful. So, uh, it, you know, going back to what you were saying there about some of the different things, uh, I think that's my job too. When I come out and I talk, like say at FTAC or 
in a, in a group like this is when I see those eyes that people are interested, I, I, wanna, I wanna come and talk to you and give you my knowledge or let me share it. And, and then that way, cause you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. and I think exactly. that's why it takes so long, especially for us, for us, if no one comes and share, you know what I'm saying? Then we just kind of work this thing on our own and then that kind of builds us in that same direction of, I did all this on my own. You know what I'm saying? Which again, at the end of the day, whether it be 10, 20 or 30, you still only know what you know at that time frame. You know what I'm saying? And there's, there's a whole lot more out there. And, you know- uh, Yeah, they say a good- they say a good mentor could uh, save you 10 years of trying to do what you, trying to figure it out yourself. Very self, yeah. Right, right. Mm -hmm. One yeah. thing that I saw that I, I, I kind of find sad is like, um, I, was, I was reading a uh, Facebook post. Well, it was a, a, like a military group. I forgot what the, what the military group was called on Facebook, but either way, somebody was like, um, they put the question out, like, I'm about to retire. Um, what do y'all think about this, the outside? You know, and, and it was one of those comments where it just got thousands or one of those statements that got thousands of comments. And so I'm reading through the comments, you know, just, just seeing what type of advice people were getting. And they were, and a lot of people were like, yo, don't get out, stay in. Mm. And, and every time I, I you know, I'm, I'm just looking at them and I'm reading these comments and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you have that sentiment because you didn't prepare. Yeah, right. it's you inevitable. prepare effectively. <laughs> it's inevitable. Like, you gotta get out. You gotta get out. So, um, you know, it's kind of, it, it kind of reminds me of those individuals that are like, yeah, high school was my best days. Like, <laughs> that's sad. You know what I mean? Not saying that the military should have been your best time, because obviously you're going to have a good time in the military, but you should always be progressing. Always be progressing. I think D said you had a jury. You, you graduated from the military. You ain't uh, retired. I think one of... No, that, was, that was Major Tatum. Okay. I remember someone yeah. was like, you know, you don't retire from the military. You graduate. Graduate. Yeah. yeah, Major Tatum like said it. Yeah. And I just yeah. kept using it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that that's that that's real dope. If you look at it like that, like you should be going yeah. to do bigger, better things. I'm glad you uh you ain't say what I was gonna say, D, about uh at, at your promotion ceremony, you basically was talking about making the best use of your time and not um being one of those guys that are better when you when you oh, yeah get out or retire and you you basically told all of us if at every base treat it like a like have a goal so when you show up to a base either try to get a degree try to get a certification try to get a rank um and when you if you do 20 years more likely you would have been at four or five places at, at least right um and you were saying if you do that at every location you you're set up you know, if every location you get a rank, you get a degree, uh, you get a deployment, you know, you get a decoration, you get a certification. At you, when you look back at your end of, at the end of your 20 years, it should have been a, a great career. But we all know those guys that when <laughs> 19 and a half, they taking four or five classes to get their yeah, associate's they're, degree. Yeah, they're scrambling. And yeah. you're like, what have you done? Yeah, for 20 years. What have yeah. you done for 24 years? Yeah, so can 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 I share yeah. can I share a story on that one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So 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 what Reese is talking about, I have a thing I started writing when I was about A1C called a book of life. And uh I was sitting with a white counterpart um in a vehicle when we were on the flight line, security forces. And he was writing down and what I, I looked at it at first as a diary. And of course, my mentality back then is like, you know, that's dumb. You know what I'm saying? But he was mapping out at his next assignment what he wanted to do. And he said, I wanted to save $5,000. Uh, I want to work towards, you know, whatever this certification was, like Reese was saying. But of course, when I get home and I'm by myself, you know, the macho comes out. Then I was like, you know what? Let me do this, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like I said, I was, a, I think I was an A1C at that time frame when I retired. And when I got here to San Antonio, I started unpacking boxes and I found that book. And I think I kept writing all the way up until I made chief. Because I'm not going to lie, once I made chief, there was not too many other things left in the military that I really wanted. You know what I'm saying? 
Uh, there was two things and I didn't accomplish them, uh, but that's okay. But as I went through and turned the pages, plural, all those accomplishments was a lot. Those are all those tools that you got in you, you know what I'm saying? And the ones that I didn't accomplish, I looked at them. And again, I, I say this, I can't lie to myself. I know the reason why I didn't accomplish those. You know what I'm saying? So if they're really serious to me today, I got a little bit of time. I set myself up. I feel pretty good. Are they still important to me today? But it goes back to what we were saying before of, of utilizing that time and, and the resources that we have to get what we want later. Now, here's the second part of it. So I was in TAPS. So I went to TAPS, the first one, where it was the general class. And then they offered another one where they had it for senior leadership. So this was all E9s and it was uh, 06 and above. So I was at Hickam at that time frame, and that's a joint area. So they offered it to all the services to include Coast Guard over there. So we had a, they, of course they tell us to come in civilian clothes. I don't know if they still do that today. They don't want to have the rank in there and everything, right? So you could tell the E9s that were in there. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna say, I think I had like 79s in there and everybody was like a smile, a smile. We had 306s and the reason I know the 06, they let us know, even in civilian clothes, I'm Colonel such and such. And we had a one star. Those four officers were not prepared to go. Wow. Now, now it, 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 it's, it was very apparent because how they took over conversations on what to do next or how can I fight to stay in when we had those conversations, you know, or uh, money situations. And so, you know, right off the bat, I'm thinking, Dude, you you are 06 or, or, or a one star and your monies are not right. But it goes back to the saying, people are people. What do they do to prepare themselves? So I, I definitely like to share that with an E1 or E2 or E3 that you can get yourself together. Just because you see somebody with all this money or what we perceive to be a lot of money, that don't mean that they did what they were supposed to to make sure that their next level or next life was going to be intact. They were sweating bullets, those 306s and one one star. And my class was about 20, I think it was 28 people. It started off 32. And then the next day, some other folks didn't come. But it was very apparent. And I will always remember those three people and that one star, the 306s and the one star. Mm -hmm. They were not prepared. And, and that was a lesson. You know, and like I said, all the E9s, whether it was Air Force, Army, or Navy, I don't think we had any Marine in there with us. We were kind of, by the way we handled the class, we were comfortable with that next stage. And I don't think any of us in there were at 30 years. So we had to go. It was an option for us to go. Mm. You know. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. And thank you for, for joining us and dropping those gems. We really appreciate it. Um, hopefully, you know, people will, will listen to your advice and experience and we can help some people out. Right. Hey, appreciate the invite. If I could say one thing on this one, uh, tell all the folks out there, a lot of stuff that we talked about, they may say, hey, that's common sense. It is, but it's not a common approach. It's not common practice. If it was common sense, more folks would be doing it. Yeah, so mm -hmm. just take heed of the advice and, and make it that common practice. Then it'll be common sense for you. Indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you again. And thank you for tuning in. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. See you next time. All right. Two weeks. Thanks, Chief.